Well, each of them had multiple reasons why, uh, there was a number of reasons why um, they weren't able to deliver all things and they all kind of added up together and there are, basically there are too many players in transport in every sector in New Zealand and transport and uh, Auckland Rail's no different. Um, individual, you know, it was blamed on the heat, but there are a whole hunt. The heat thing just added to a whole bunch of woes with signal stations and um, new signal arrangements for the being preparation for the city rail link. The operator was short of uh, traffic managers um, and staff issues, and they weren't. They were kind of squabbling with each other instead of um, organising a uh, a group-wide thing. So we had sensible responses and putting the customer right in the middle, which is basically which is what I was hammering home. And we've taken a number of steps to do exactly that. So it is a long list of reasons they've given for the cancellations and delays. Do you accept them? Well, they are all real things, but they kind of all added up to have a bit of a cluster at, at the wrong time. And, and the... the, the Comms were pretty awful. They were blaming each other rather than actually focusing on the public who used the thing. So, what's and the fix they're promising you? Well, they, um, with the heat, Kiwi Rail have got an aggressive plan to fix for reduce the 4.4 kilometres of rail that's subject to heat restrictions down to one over the next week. And they're going to report back in a week's time and make sure they've done that. And uh, Auckland One Rail, the operator, will have all their cruise shortages solved by the 11th of March. They've got, they run schools to teach people to get their little certificates. Enough of them coming out at that stage. And then um, the, the city rail link is sort of charging ahead. <laughs> and um, some of the implementation of that has slowed down trains. And I said, well, get together and work out how you can't do that. And they've decided they can working hard over the next week to get that one. Um, again, the timetables never get adjusted. They just dump things. And I said, well, let's, what about looking at having perhaps slightly less but much more reliable times? And and when they announced things, because it was mainly the cons was the worst of it, they said things like services are out on the southern line. Well, that's a lot of people thought, oh, I have to get an Uber. But in fact, what it meant was that some trains had been delayed and so they weren't exactly according to anything, and some had been cut out, but they were still trains. And so the, the, all of these things added up to sort of like an ominous shambles. The three agencies are going to co-locate in a new centre. Um, where will that be? Is there any detail, and, and when it might happen? No, I actually visited it about a month ago. It's coming towards completion. It's out in Penrose, right next to the railway lines. Um, it's got uh, emergency generators. It's, it's well set up. It's the sort of stuff that you would imagine we had already. Can the systems um, talk to each other? Uh, well, that's what's coming out of this. The systems often talk to each other, but the people sometimes don't as well. Um, and so uh, I said, well, we want we want to have one voice here out of this thing. You all agree what it is you're going to say, and you're going to say it. Before you send it out, you read it as if you're a passenger. Does this clearly indicate for you what you what information you need to be a passenger? Because they tend to send out things which are squabbling and hard to understand. 
They're not alone in that. I mean, some years ago I was put in to fix the Land Transport Safety Authority and they were masters of putting out dumb stuff. It's one thing they to have a fix-it list. They learn it down your end of the country. <laughs> it's one thing to have a fix-it list. It's another to deliver it on time. Are there any consequences if these deadlines aren't met? I don't think they like being in front of me, actually. One of the guys said that I had been told that the softest part of me was my teeth. <laughs> so they, um, they don't want to be back. All right. Listen, what should commuters expect in the meantime? Just this morning, we're hearing from AT. Nice and clear message, though. The Western train line's operating on a reduced 20-minute frequency until further notice. AT anticipating some disruptions and cancellations throughout the day. It's going to be a nice hot day in Auckland again. Uh, What should commuters expect in the meantime? Well, already you've noticed that you could understand the message. So that's an immediate step. And the reason that there will be some delays is because uh, that's part of where the 4.4 kilometres that they're having to do the stress relieving on the rails. And so you can't actually have the trains running over the workers. So there's a little bit of fiddling around. And they're going hard at it this week to get that done. Actually, rail heat is not a pro- is a problem all over the world. It's not just here. But um, it, it happened to arrive at a time when we already had a whole bunch of other things. And there was a, just yesterday, there was a major signal that just failed. And... Um, and so well, I've, there, I've got them on all those things. All right. Basically, um, it, it, severe pressure on operations does wonders. I mean, the port makes a profit this year. It never used to until I went really crooked them. All right. Let's talk about other transport matters. You've told AT to stop work on all projects funded by the soon-to-be-axed regional fuel tax. What, if anything, falls off the agenda as a result? A whole pile, I think. You can't take $1.2 billion out of a city's next two, two or three years' funding and not expect that to produce results which are adverse. I mean, it, 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 they're great-sounding things. Oh, we're going to give you all money back. We're going to reduce your cost of living. But but that doesn't mean to say we're going to transfer your cost of living from taxpayers to ratepayers, which would what it would be but if I just went ahead and did all the things that were going to be funded. So what we'll, there will be consequences and we'll sit down with the government and work out which of those things they really, really want. And there are a couple of things that they've put in their plan, roads of National Party significance in my area that um, they want to do, and which will be done at the expense of something or other else if if that happens. We will be having a debate with them about what comes out of this. Okay. So the, tra- the Transport Minister will legislate to use those remaining funds on its, the government's priorities. Do you agree with the projects that will be funded, Eastern Busway, City Rail Link, Electric Trains and Stabling, and Road Corridor Improvements? Do you agree with those priorities? Well, we were always going to be doing the, the um, uh, Eastern Busway, and there is enough money set aside to do that given what we've collected so far, and uh, the, uh, it would be completely irresponsible to spend $6 billion on a city rail and not buy the trains to go in it. Um, and so I don't have any trouble with that. In terms of with the last wordings about, uh, I don't believe that they were elected to decide which roads we do in Auckland, and there will be a um, tussle over that. And if they want to legislate to decide which roads we're going to do in Auckland, then they, they didn't campaign on that. What, 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 what is going on with this? Is, 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 is this? is the Transport Minister basically threatening you that if you don't agree with our priorities, we will legislate to make them the priorities? What, what's going on well, with I'm not who? exactly sure quite what statement 
Exactly. I mean, quite happy to have a legislation that says we'll. I mean, the the, the um, fuel tax came with legislation from the last government. You know, that it had to be on brand new things which we weren't doing under the normal way. And some of those, like Glenbar Road and Lake Road, will be sorely missed by the people of Auckland. Um, there has been criticism about money spent on um, uh, cycleways and bits and pieces. They got very gold plated, and, and the public of Auckland you know just how grumpy I am about that. Nevertheless, um, we the most central thing that we're doing is to have an integrated plan of Auckland, not not a plan where, where in order to win elections, people say we're going to do a road here, a road there. That's not acceptable. And in terms of legislation. That's the National Party. They're part of a government. One of the things in the government's um, uh, coalition agreement is that all decisions will be made on the basis of cost and, of cost-benefit analysis and financial analysis. And I'm a great supporter of that. That is exactly how things we're doing. You don't put roads in to get just to get votes. I mean, city railing in itself is quite a good project, but it, but it was. Um, run way over budget, mainly because at the time it became a political football. We don't want that in Auckland. We want rational things, rational decisions. I'm a boringly rational engineer. So where are you at with the minister on this? $1.2 billion's gone. You said you're not replacing it with rates. So some things on a list must be delayed or, or, or coming off. But when it comes to the future decision-making about a coordinated system... What conversations have you had with the minister about how that's going to be put together and who's going the to decide? The minister does agree with me that we need to have an, a joined-up, integrated trash, um, transport system plan for Auckland. That doesn't exist. There are bookloads of plans for this, that and the other, but nothing's been joined up. Nothing has freight and people involved, or either freight or people. But um, So the integrated transport plan will be the centre of everything. So if something doesn't make it onto the integrated transport plan, that's bad luck. That will be because it doesn't have particular need or meet cost-benefit analysis. But are you drawing that up? Is AT drawing that up? No, 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 no. Who's drawing it up? It has been drawn up by various agencies under the leadership of the Minister of Transport and the Mayor of Auckland. Okay. And what is the status of that plan as of today? Well, the minister's been very busy doing things since he got in there, and he hasn't really got into that yet, but we will do so. That will become centre. We've got six months before this thing actually stops. Uh, and uh, the, la- the last, the, the integrated transport plan, which is absolutely essential, has suffered badly from politics as it was. I was making quite good progress with Minister Wood until he trod on a, on a landmine. And then the next guy who came in was Mr Parker, who understood it quite quickly, but he didn't last very long. And the, later, and the latest minister has only just got, got going. So uh, it, it sagged a bit. On that note, on that note, were you very close? Was the government very close, the previous government, to announcing congestion charging? Where is that at? Uh, well, time of use charging is what I call it, because congestion charging is where you put a ring around a city like in London, but I, I want to put it. I believe the new minister is very keen on that, just as I am. Uh, the last government were, got quite close to doing that, but there was a political squabble, as people in Wellington are apt to do, over how what we're to do with the money and some of the details around it. But I think it's it's why well, demand management is one of the things that's missing in our transport system. 
we, the, we, the con, people are conditioned to expect a brand new something or other at huge cost as a solution to everything. But demand management is missing in anything. And where it does, where we do have it, it works very well. For instance, the Northern Busway um, doesn't carry any uh, uh, organisers transport over the ridge. There are no more cars going over the ridge now than there were years ago because people are using the bus. We are using demand management um, time of use charging on the wharf. You know, we want to get the trucks carrying the containers off the roads during working hours and try and transfer them to more tonight. So we're implementing higher charges for during the day and lower charges at night. And uh, that's got a fair way to go. They're not quite big enough to encourage the behavioural change that I'm wanting. But demand management is a tool which is part of grown-up versions of transport companies. So you believe that's coming, by the sounds of it, um, the Minister is on board? I'm pretty sure on that one there, he's on board. We have some legislation thing demands, which the Minister's quite happy about. I mean, the fact that Auckland is the third of New Zealand, the largest council anywhere in Australia and New Zealand, is unable to set its traffic, its parking fines, is insulting and stupid. So we have the same parking fines as they have in Jaw. I don't think this problem's the same. So if you don't put, if you can't put the fines up, why bother paying increased charges? So we can't increase our income from that. The, 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 the current um, transport minister is exactly right in requesting that we hunt for more alternative import incomes. Okay. If you can't increase transport, why would you pay more for parking for only twelve dollars for the fine? Can I ask you one final question relating to the floods issue? Um, and particularly the Category 2C status houses. In a recent interview, there was an indication that there might be a conversation, that you might be part of it, about increasing the number of properties eligible for buyout and reminding people that Category 2C is where it's determined there's an intolerable risk to life, but it's a community-level mitigation project that could take years to complete. Is that conversation happening about widening the pool of people eligible for buyout? Um, not in exactly those words, but the implication of it is being, is being discussed. I mean, everything has a cost. Uh, the, the, the buyout that we've been underway is very generous. There's no question about that. I mean, nobody had to do this. The government and the council have plunged into this. Um, and it's what, what the main driver of what we've learned from that is that we'll never be able to do this again which is why oh, we've got to diversify our assets into a decent fund because Auckland assets are only two. There's the airport and the port, both lousy investments. Um, and, but both of them here subject to the same risk. There's no, and so we need some uh, of their, their value put into a fund so that when next time we have it, I can ring up someone and say, sell a billion dollars worth of mixed shares from some other country. So we've got some cash to do these things. But at the moment, you can't ring up the airport because that's the first thing that floods in Auckland. If we have a tsunami, it'll be the first one that fails there as well. So you, you, you can't have conversations about widening pools of money if you don't have the pool of money. Agreed. Um, but what, what is the conversation, if not specifically about widening the number of properties eligible? What is the conversation about those 2C category houses? I don't think we're widening them. We're making sure that they're in the right... Well, this is where you buy a house which has plumped itself down somehow or other in a, in a way that adversely impacts the floodability of other areas so that we might want to take that house and get it out of the road so that can be a pond area 
for, for a flood next time. And so we're going through that carefully. There are some people, of course, who have got damaged houses that would really rather just take some cash and bugger off. And I can well understand that. I mean, that's a natural uh, response to the difficulties that these people have found themselves in. But there isn't an unlimited pile of cash. Um, and so we're being very careful and responsible because at the moment, the insurance policy of all these people are other ratepayers. And, and uh, you don't have to be told that they're having a few problems. That was the whole point of taking away the regional fuel tax so that they can get cheaper petrol. So they should not hold out hope, despite an assessment of their properties carrying intolerable risk to life, and as we said, potentially for years for some of these projects to get done, they should not hold out hope that that, that they're going to have the chance to... uh, Well, no, I'm not saying they shouldn't. They will be talking to our engineers that are running the saving, making space for water groups and having... We'll be dealing with the urgent properties first, or the simple ones properties first, uh, and working through this in a methodical manner. Um, but it's it's there to save not just those people's houses; those ones are there to be bought so that other people can have a better chance of uh, of resistance. In terms of the wording of intolerable risk to life, that's another Wellingtonianism that we got from you. I mean, we have people here being forced to spend waste money on seismic resisting to to prevent and make themselves safer than something that hasn't happened here for 120,000 years. So um, the the emotive language like that in the middle of um, um, complicated uh, and very expensive things is not helpful. You've got a lot of Auckland ministers making these Wellington decisions. Um, Maybe you need to get them together as well, Mr Brown. I want to, I'd love it in New Zealand shut the airport down so they spend <laughs> more time up here, thank you.